I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I could try to like come up with new ways to say that. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> a podcast. This is, is what this is. Okay. Welcome to season two. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Okay, so this is the first case of season two, and we're just going to dive right in. Throwing it back, right? Yeah, we're throwing it way back, (laughs) all the way back to the 1700s, the lovely 18th century, with some good old-fashioned murder. Okay, wait, we have to tell them about how we haven't pre- determined our cases. Oh, yes. Okay. So last season, Randy and I kind of came up with the cases we were going to uh, talk about together. So we both picked them together and we were like, okay, you're going to do this case. I'm going to do this case, et cetera. Um, And then we just personally didn't research the cases the other person was doing. But this season, we're picking random cases and we both don't know what the other person is doing. So hopefully we won't have any overlap and it'll all be great. And it's going to be a surprise every (laughs) time. It'll be a surprise every time. So I'm really excited about it. We're going to sort of like jump all over the timeline of humanity. Yes, I do know this is a historical case. Yes. I know that Mm because Claire loves history. I do. I'm a, you know, Getting a degree in it. Whatever. (laughs) Um, She likes it a little bit. A little bit. Whatever. You know. Um, So, yeah. So, we're going to just pick random cases and um, it'll be a fun time. I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Yay. Yay. Okay. So, I'm first going to have you guess where you think this person is from. Okay. I just want to. Do I get any information? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you three hints. Okay. It's in Europe. Okay. Uh, this particular country is quite large, and um, they fell a little bit behind when it came to westernization. So they're kind of like, huh? Yeah. What, what, can I get like a north or a south or? A... They're very north. They're very s- north, all the way north. Yeah, all the way north. All the way to the north. Is it in Russia? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so welcome to Russia. We're going to talk about Mother Russia today. So the person that um, I'm going to tell you about is actually a woman. Heck yeah. I know, a female serial killer. (laughs) The rarity of all the serial killers. Um, So she's actually one of the most prolific Russian serial killers out there. Um, I know we talked briefly about Elizabeth Bathory in one Mm -hmm. of our other episodes. And she, this person is very similar to oh, okay. the the blood countess, <laughs> but she she existed about three hundred years after her. Um, so her name is, and this is a cool name. I'm ready. She's I, Russian names are the neatest things in the whole world. So her name is Daria Nikolaevna Saltikova. <gasps> wow, <laughs> Daria, Daria. She doesn't sound like a murderer at all. She sounds no. like a princess. I know. And, well, she basically was a princess. Was she a ballerina? No, no, she wasn't because, and we'll get into that in a oh, minute. Oh, we too. will. We'll talk about the Russian ballet for a brief <gasps> moment. Because okay. Just for context, Randy used to be a ballerina, and she danced for basically her entire life. <laughs> so I love ballet. Yeah. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. Yes, it's very interesting. Okay, so Daria Saltikova was born in 1730 in Moscow, Russia. Um, her full name uh, was Daria Nikolaevna um, Ivana which is her uh, her uh, maiden name. Uh-huh. 
So Russian names are really cool, and I'm going to explain them really quick because they kind of have a little bit of context with this case. Um, so when I read Leo Tolstoy for the first time, who's a famous Russian author, he wrote War and Peace and Anna Karenina. The names were like the most confusing part of it because everybody had like 12 different names. So um, Russian names are made up of three parts. Uh, so the first part is their given name. And we're just going to use Daria's name as an example. So her first name is Daria, given to her by her parents. And then the patronomic name, which is the father's name. So her father's name would have been um, Nikolai. Mm-hmm. And then that name is either given a masculine or a feminine ending, if depending on the gender of the child. So Nikolaivina is going to be her her patronomic name. And then the last part of it is the family name. So before Daria was married, it was Ivana, and then it was Saltakova when she married her husband. So That's cool. I know. It's really cool. And then, of course, there were always, like, pet names that you would give people. Um, like, I know in Anna Karenina, she's some kind, sometimes called Anya. Uh Um, because it's just like a little pet name that people give for her. But it's really confusing, and names were really important in Russian society. But we'll just call her Daria for right now because... (laughs) I like that name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Daria. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, So family titles were extremely important, and the Russian nobility was even more exclusive than the British or the French at the time. Um, But thankfully, times were starting to change a little bit, and Russia was starting to move towards westernization, which in this case was a really good thing because they were very imperialistic and the whole culture was just pretty backwards. Um, So Russia had been under the leadership of Peter the Great, who actively tried to bring Western ideals into Russian society. And clearly it worked well because, I mean, they they called him Peter the Great. So... (laughs) So there you go. That's a good indicator that people liked him. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So there was a huge economic boom in Russia after Peter started to shift towards westernization. And there was also a huge cultural boom. Um, So thousands of musicians and artists sort of crept out of the woodwork. The famous Russian ballets came out of this time period. So most of them were created when Peter the Great um, started to just sort of accept artistic creativity because the Russian Orthodox Church at the time was very oppressive to artists and um, artistic process. They just thought it was like a sin. Mm -hmm. Um, So Peter the Great's family, and you'll recognize the name, the Romanovs, um, (laughs) ruled until Tsar Nicholas was assassinated towards the end of World War I, along with the rest of the Romanov line, including Anastasia. She definitely died in that basement, just saying. Um, (laughs) So this family ruled for a really long time, which just goes to show the traditionalism um, that existed in Russian culture. And there was also a very distinctive class system. And that's sort of the world that Daria grew up in. So she was heavily influenced by... The fact that she was this rich young woman mm-hmm. and she just had everything given to her and she didn't really have to do much with her life. Um, so by the time that she was born, Peter the Great had actually died. He died in 1725 and his wife took over the throne and then some other unimportant people took over. But whatever. They didn't, they didn't really do much. Um, so despite the advancements in upper class society, the peasants and serfs in Russia were still considered property. Mm-hmm. And Daria grew up with servants surrounding her and bending to her every will. She could basically do what she wanted because of the name she bore and the station she held in Russian society at the time. She was even free from the law to an extent because of her birthright, which is so messed up yeah. in my mind. I mean, it, it's it's hard to fathom that someone could get away with something based off of money. But I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah, it happens all the time. We look at white collar crime, friends. Mm-hmm. We can just call it that. It was white collar crime, and that's what it was. 
it's just a whole messed up process. It's very backwards, not good. And um, again, like I said, despite the advancements that were happening at the time, the, the serfs were still not human. They weren't considered human. They were basically just like livestock that right, existed right. on the properties owned by these people. Um, so oh, Daria, are you going to murder all of them? Not all of them. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get into it. We'll get into the murder. There okay. will be murder. I promise. Um, there so, will be blood. <laughs> there will be blood. So much of it. Okay. So she was the third of five daughters, and she married at a really young age. I looked at, like, seven different, like, scholarly sources. I even got a book from the library, and nobody knows the exact year that she got married. But we do know that her son was born in 1750, so she was 20. And I'm assuming that she probably got married when she was 19 or 18. Um, You know, hearkening back to Anna Karenina, the protagonist got married when she was 19. She existed around this time period, so I made an assumption. I assume that's when she got married. Um, She married, and this guy's name is funny, too. His name is Gleb. Gleb? Yeah, Gleb, G-L-E-B. Gleb Alexandrovich Saltikova. Okay. Um, And he was a captain in the Russian cavalry and Imperial Guard. He was very well connected and related to a whole bunch of higher class Mm. Russian society families, including the Tolstoys. Seems (laughs) like a good choice. I know, a good choice. Considering she was like the third daughter of um, a very wealthy family, the fact that she got to marry into such a wealthy family was also pretty good. Um, So, yay for Daria. Their, their marriage, unfortunately, would be cut very short. He died in oh, 17... No. Yeah. Gleb! <laughs> Poor Gleb. Uh, did he, she murder him? No, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, you know, I wish he, she did. It would be something interesting to talk about. But um, <laughs> he died in 17... 17- we don't wish murder upon no. anyone. <laughs> no. But it would just be interesting. It would just be interesting to discuss. Um, so he died in 1756 when Daria was only 25 years old, leaving her with two massive estates. Um, so here's this noble woman, an uneducated one, by the way. She didn't, she couldn't read. Mm. Yeah, so she, whatever. I don't know why. I, that's such a weird because thing women to think don't about. need to know how yeah, to read. Yeah, of course they don't. Why would they need they to don't read? Need that. Exactly. Which I just think that's interesting. Comparing it to like British society, an accomplished woman was like this well-rounded woman who like played an instrument. She sewed, she spoke multiple languages, she read and wrote poetry, and then you have Daria who's like, I can't read, but I got a lot of money. Yeah. Well, that's (laughs) problematic that now she has to run to estates Mm -hmm. and take over all this fortune, and she is illiterate. That sucks for her. That's not her fault. They probably wouldn't let her. Right. And she probably just was not exposed to that. And I didn't learn much about her childhood. um, So I don't know if she came from like an abusive family or if she just witnessed her parents being abusive towards their peasant culture on their land. Uh Um, So I don't know. I don't know. Um, But she we do know that she was illiterate. And uh, like you said, it was probably extremely overwhelming to have to take over such large estates, only being 25 years old. And she'd been taking care of her entire life. She doesn't know how to do any of this. So I can only imagine how overwhelmed she was with everything. And she had a young son. Mm -hmm. So she had a kid, too, which I'm sure she had a nanny probably (laughs) took care of him. But at the same time. Um, So Daria was a devout member of the Russian Orthodox Church and would travel to different shrines in Russia to pay her respects. Um, Kiev was one of her favorite places to go and visit. And at this point in history, the Ukraine wasn't a country yet. So Kiev was part of Russia. So she would go there all the time. 
um, if you don't know much about the Russian Orthodox Church, it's similar to the Catholic Church to an extent, but they have a um, extreme reverence for um, images and idols, and um, they take like blood of a saint to a whole new level. And uh, relics are really important. So she would be witnessing all these like dead people and these horrible things on display, and she would be told that they're you know, religion and, and that it has this deep spiritual context to them. So um, I can only imagine what that did on to her psyche as mm-hmm. a young person who was so devout and like dedicated her life to this and then had seen the brutality that her parents had served out on the serfs that lived on their land. So I don't know, maybe that was one of the reasons why she was kind of crazy. But there you go. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, like I was saying before, in addition to her large estate, she also owned laborers, and I mean hundreds of them. These estates were ginormous, and they were on huge plots of land that extended for hundreds of miles. Um, so they all came with the land that belonged to her husband's family. And um, Russian noblemen actually based their wealth on the number of serfs that they owned. And this particular century was considered the peak of serfdom in Russia. So thousands of people were enslaved and considered to be less than livestock. Well, then maybe it wasn't too hard to run those estates. (laughs) Right? Because she just has people doing it for her. Um, Yeah, so she was now in control of all of these people, and they were property. It was like owning slaves, except they couldn't seek refuge anywhere else. There's a law in Russia that said if you were born to an estate, you were required to live on that estate and then die on that estate. You could not leave unless you were exiled. And if you were exiled, you would be go you would um, go and work in mines, which I'm sure were horrible, considering that, like... Yeah, I think I'd rather stay on the estate. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, my God. Like, you'd be down in the dark, and there's no such thing as, like, child labor laws or any sort of protections for these people. So you'd work until you die. Um, and black lung was probably a thing back then, too. It wasn't just the 1900s that experienced that. Um, so I pulled this from one of my sources, and it's about one of the laws that concerned um, the serf population. So in 1649, a code of laws effectively divided the society into ranks and occupational classes from which neither the individual nor his or her descendants could move. So they couldn't leave. The laws imposed on peasants froze not only social status, but also residency and imposed a harsh form of serfdom and dysoptic rule. So that just meant that they can't leave. They have to stay there. They are permanently on that place for their entire lives. And they couldn't they also couldn't go to the police for anything. They had no rights as people because they weren't seen as people. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really sucks. Um, and this is also really interesting. It was also common for Russia in Russia for serfs to be called souls, as they were sometimes referred to, and they were brutalized and beaten all the time. But they still called them souls, which I just think is interesting because if you looked at like religion, if someone has a soul, it, they're respected and they're like seen as people in the eyes of God, and yet they aren't really seen as people here. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, so. You can imagine the lack of pushback from the nobles when they heard about what was going on at the Saltikova household, which there was just a ton happening at the Saltikova house, let me tell you. So (laughs) um, despite uh, the beatings that serfs received from all across the nation, from aggressive aggressive masters, 
there was something worse that was happening at the two estates um, controlled by Daria. So one of her houses was in Moscow, and then another one is in this village. And I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to try. <laughs> um, it's called Troitskoy. Troitskoy or Troitsk. I don't know. know. It's Russian. Um, (laughs) um, And that was her summer home. So we're going to call it her summer estate. Oh, fancy. The official title. Um, And they just, it just went beyond the occasional beating. So it wasn't like somebody did something stupid, like lost money or or dropped an entire cart of hay or something Mm -hmm. or damaged something that was irreplaceable. And then they got hit. She was, they were being brutalized to Mm. death. (laughs) Um, so Daria was a little OCD about cleanliness. Um, she needed everything to be perfect. And if the floors weren't clean enough or her bedroom wasn't immaculate, then she would beat the crap out of her female servants who were cleaning the house. She would do the beating? Yeah, she would beat them with anything she could find, too. Like she would just reach out and grab like a vase and she would beat them. Jeez. Bloody. It was horrible. Um, and then after, so this was all after her husband had died, and the rumors started to travel from the two estates about the Saltakova serfs and the way that they were being treated. Uh, some people said that all the female servants had blood on their clothes, and some even claimed to have seen someone carrying a body out of their her summer estate in a cart. The body's flesh had been flayed off, and the hair had been pulled out Ooh. by the roots. Yeah, isn't that gross? That's disgusting. Yeah. So... Not only was she beating them, she was torturing and them. And murdering them. And then murdering them. Yeah, for her own sadistic pleasure. Um, so she was probably doing this quite often before this first official complaint came in. But again, the serfs couldn't come forward with anything because the law was against them. Yeah. Because they'd just be sent they back. They can't do anything. No, exactly. No... no power whatsoever. Yeah. They have no say in anything. Oh my gosh, anything. that yeah. sucks. It's the worst. They could, could they have, okay, what if they had all just like decided to rebel against her and murder her? What would happen to them? They would all be exiled and sent to go work in the mines where they would, but pre- I mean, where would they would rather die. do that than be murdered? Well, you would die either way. And honestly, oh like you were saying before, you'd rather work on the estate. I would, because, but not that one. <laughs> yeah, no. But like in all reality, working in a in a mine That's would so be true, horrible. Yeah. You'd just be down in the dark for days. And you like, oh God, I have never worked in a mine personally, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, I do have uh, family members. I come from coal miners up in um, Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And they had neighbors whose sons died. In, down in, the, in mines, the mines, and it was horrible. They would die these brutal, horrible deaths, and they would cough all the time. Yeah. My great-grandfather had black lung. It was horrible. <laughs> so just bad overall. And um, this is the 1700s, so my grandparents lived in, like, the early 1900s, so I can only imagine. But the first official complaint about violence came in 1757 when Daria beat and killed a pregnant serf named Anicia Gregorvia. Um, she beat a complaint niece- to who? To the police. Um, and it was not made by a serf. It was made by a priest. Oh, I was like, can't they not do that? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So it wasn't made by a serf. So Daria beat Anicia with a rolling pin until she suffered a miscarriage. <gasps> so yeah, this poor pregnant woman <laughs> who's just doing her damn job. And she, like, Lord knows it was probably just like a spot on a silver spoon. And she got so mad that she had to beat the life out of this person. It was horrible. So, um, but then, being the pious, religious woman she was, Daria called a priest to the house to read Anicia's last rites. What? Yeah. So, she not Girlfriend. only... I know. So, she beat the crap out of this woman, 
causing her to have a miscarriage, which is just horrible. And also seems really counterintuitive. Like, if don't you, wouldn't you want more serfs? Yeah. I don't know. She's just, she's an idiot. I don't know. She had plenty of them. There were, she was in control of of hundreds of people. It was, ugh. but anyway. So, yeah. So, and this is a stupid move to bring a priest to. Yeah, come look at all the things I'm doing yeah, that are terrible. Right? Yeah, right. And it's not like everybody was not paying attention. Everyone knew what was happening. And, like, he's a priest, Right. He's a priest. How can he not? He can't ignore that. No, he cannot ignore that. And if he ignored it, he would be a horrible priest and a person, a horrible person. So <laughs> whatever. And she beat her to the point of where she knew she was going to die. And she was like, oh, well, she's going to die. I got to bring in a priest now. Now I'll be a decent human. A decent human. You know, might as well read her her last rites. But she liter- Daria literally thought that they were nothing. Did she do that for all of the people she murdered? No, this is the only instance that she did this because of what happened. Because she got an official complaint was filed by the by the priest. So Anicia, unfortunately, she died before the priest got there. But when he did and he saw her body, he demanded that the police come and take her body away for an autopsy. So they actually did. The police The police took the body to the hospital and performed an autopsy, which revealed the extent of her beatings. I mean, her entire back was just black and blue. She, I mean, I can only imagine what her stomach looked like because she beat her to the point of where she had a miscarriage. And I don't know how far along this woman was, but who cares? She had a miscarriage. Like, that's horrible. Awful, yeah. And um, <laughs> this is this is horrible. They didn't do anything about it. They didn't do anything? No, they didn't do anything. Well, they I guess nothing. it wasn't against the law, so what can they do? Well, it was against the law, but because she was the nobility, they they didn't do anything. She had so much money Wait, and I thought it wasn't against the law. I thought they weren't viewed as humans. They aren't viewed as humans. They don't have any rights. Murder is illegal, no matter what. Yeah, but who I thought that none of them. Okay, so it was still legal to murder mm-hmm. them? No, it was... So, the serfs... You can't murder people. It doesn't matter who they are. Uh-huh. So violence is not actively something that is advocated for. And you can get in trouble. Like, you you can be imprisoned for murdering your serfs. But people didn't talk about it because of how much money and influence these people had. Right. So they were so... They were so like the mafia. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You could call it that. The Russian mafia. Oh, well, not really the Russian. I know. Not Russian, that one. Not the, not the real one. Russian mafia. The, the OG the Russian, OG. Ma- Russian mafia. The Russian nobility is basically the mafia. <laughs> and they can do whatever they want. They control the entire populace. I mean, that happens all the time. Yeah. And the, um, you know, like the, the royal family was totally integrated into all of that as well. So these people helped to fund the westernization of yeah. Russia. So if you... Put one person on trial for beating up a serf when all of these other people are also beating up their serfs. Mm. Like what, you know what I mean? people not being held accountable. Where (laughs) have I heard of that before? Mm. Interesting. So frustrating. Anyway, um, so yeah, she's a a noble woman, so she couldn't be touched by any of it. And (laughs) this is, I think this is really noble of this Poor man. Anicia's husband defied all of the rules that stated he couldn't come forward. And he went to the police again and demanded that someone do something about what was happening on the estate. And guess what happened to him? He got murdered. No, he was exiled. Exiled. He he was exiled because she she was kind of under a microscope at this moment. But so she kicked him out and he died a couple years later in the mines. So it's really 
purple. Anyway, mm. okay, so this was just like the beginning of all of it, and it just kind of proved to Daria that she was invincible. She could do whatever she, she could wanted. Do whatever she wanted. And with that, we're going to end episode one, and we are going to talk more about Daria's vicious behavior in episode two. So click on episode two to listen to that. And thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.